Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Friendship. I'm Mark Musinski. And I'm Brian Wool. And we are friends. And this is a podcast about friends. Uh, it is a true friendship podcast, so it's real stories of real friendships from real points in history and the present. And hopefully, by finding the stories of these friendships and sharing them, we can, we can one, have an awesome time, and two, learn to be better friends today. So, so yeah, it's like a, like a true crime podcast, but instead of crimes, it's friendships. And, uh, and it's not just a podcast by friends, about friends. It's also a podcast for friends. So just by listening, you guys are our new friends. Thank you and welcome. And it's also a podcast meant to be shared with friends. So if you enjoy this, please find your favorite episode and send it to someone who you think would love it. Because that's the best part of friendship is sharing stuff with friends. I couldn't agree uh... more, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. How how has your week in friendship been, Brian? Oh, my week in friendship has has been wild, Mark. You know, uh, we we last talked uh, last week about Thanksgiving, uh, and mm-hmm. and this this episode is actually being released. Uh, we're recording it the week of Thanksgiving, and we're releasing it on Thanksgiving because this friendship is actually a timely friendship, and we'll get to that. So I, I want to address what what happened in the episode that I guess people haven't heard yet is I had mm-hmm. Thanksgiving plans. I had Thanksgiving yeah. plans with uh, with with uh, Keith and Becky and some friends, and we were going to test and isolate and get together. But then we realized that with COVID being as rampant as it is and the limited availability of tests, and also my last day of work uh, this week was on Sunday, so we would not have enough time to test get the results accurately and isolate mm-hmm. for everybody to actually be healthy and get together. So we canceled our Thanksgiving plans. I'm really sorry. No, that it's sucks. okay. It's part of the, it's part of what being friends in 2020 is about is you have to be willing to cancel your plans and release your plans and release yourself emotionally from this stuff so that you can keep people safe. Yeah. Yeah, because I know I definitely just made a big deal about sharing things with friends, but uh, viral infections are not one of the things that you want to be sharing. Yeah, especially ones that that are still relatively mysterious to scientists. You know. Yeah. This is and that are spiking in almost like like when I looked at a graph, I was like, oh, that's like double what the peak was last time. I was freaking out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So it, it's. Uh... It's been uh, that was difficult, and then also, I've I've had a challenge with a, a friend of mine, who uh, does not want to uh, observe, I don't know, COVID safety precautions, but still wants yeah. me to hang out, and uh, I can't I can't do that, and it, it has caused tension. It has been very difficult. And it it, le- it has led to my friend being a little upset with me. They think that I'm being unfair, and they think that I'm uh, uh, being ridiculous. Whereas, uh, you know, in my opinion, they're being selfish. And yeah. God, that's tricky. And uh, and my my friend is a very, uh, you know, they're like a very new age uh, spiritual person, and their arguments. Uh, for for them being safe and protected was just a complete and utter bullshit, and it was like the same bullshit okay. that anybody, you know, that says that God is protecting them from COVID, and it was just, mm-hmm. it was just complete and utter bullshit, and it was hard for me to empathize with him because of this bullshit. You know, it's, it's the, the, it's like, I don't care what, uh, religious things you're doing to protect yourself. I'm, you know, I'm all for people doing that, uh, you know, in combination with science, 
But to use that as a replacement for actual science, nah. That's where I got to draw the yeah. line. And I cannot hang out with anybody that is putting me, my my fiance, my friends, my coworkers in danger. And uh, ah, it was awful. I felt so guilty in certain ways, but then also I felt uh, frustrated because I wasn't being heard by a close friend. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I I lost a family member to COVID, so like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a little sensitive about it, you know, and I've, yeah. you know, obviously my, my uh, career has been severely impacted by it. And so many other things have been impacted by it. Even my damn day jobs, uh, af affected by it. So I, I don't know, man, it's, uh, this, it's very hard to be a friend right now. There are so many challenges and, uh, I did my best to uh, present why I could not hang out and uh, and not not throw back judgment at them, but just say, like, this is why I can't do this. Uh, and and uh, unfortunately, my friend was offended uh, by it, but I don't know. They're just going to have to get over it eventually or, or not. I don't know. But... It, yeah. My health and safety and the health and safety of, of everybody around me is just got to take priority right now. And sometimes, I guess, you got to hurt your friend's feelings. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly this world that we're living in right now forces you to have discussions and make decisions based on, like, pretty deeply held philosophical choices and beliefs in a way that I think causes like, you know, it, it, normally if you're like, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? You're not worried like, who might die from that? And it's really interesting to see plenty of people who might otherwise get along in the normal do you want to go grab dinner conversation um, are rubbing up against these like real you know, core frictions between their view of the world. Yeah, and it's and it's tough because there's there's a lot of people that uh, their identity was outside of the home. Like my Alyssa and my entire identity was basically based around us being outside of our home. So yeah. as COVID hit, we basically had to find a new identity. You know, I. Just about everything I did that defined who I was to myself were these exterior things that I, these activities that I did uh, mm -hmm. pre-COVID. And a lot of people are realizing that about themselves, and it is challenging. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, unprecedented in our lifetimes, and hopefully will remain uh, just one precedent we never have to revisit. Yeah. Because fuck. Yeah, I, I'd say that's that's the major thing in my f weekend friendship right now, is just uh, that stuff. Uh, but otherwise, you know, hanging in there, doing okay. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, nothing, nothing that dramatic, but mostly because we kind of, like, closed our doors and let everyone know that we pretty much weren't coming out mm -hmm. uh a while ago and you know we're i feel like i have come to a a state of acceptance with it but i can also acknowledge that it's like not my not my um default nature if that makes any sense mm -hmm. definitely there are so many parts of who i feel that i am that are that are that mainly exist out in the world and emailing people about those things and talking on the phone with them about those things and zooming about those things is not the same. No. And some of it even serves as a reminder of the things that you're missing. Yeah. Often it's, uh, so, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, and even preparing for Thanksgiving, you know, just the fact that we're trying to figure out how to have Thanksgiving for two people and how few it's just the process of going we we're not great 
at cooking. So we were like, oh, we'll, we'll see if we can buy a turkey from somewhere. Yeah. Almost everywhere we looked, the smallest portion size we could find was four people, like a turkey breast dinner or something like that. And most of them are eight people, more than that. You know, it. our whole society this, in this holiday especially is set up as like a feast. Yes. And yes. being forced to plan it with a two-person a two-person feast really has driven home and I'm I'm can't I know I'm not alone in this. It's just like constant reminders of the people who you are usually by our side that we're missing. Yeah. It was Passover was really rough for me back in April. I yeah, I just too. felt Passover was really hard. Thanksgiving will be a little bit less hard for me, I think, because I've already had Passover. But mm-hmm. uh it's still going to be tough. Um, so the, the reason why I, I asked, uh, for us to record this week, Mark, is because I have a very specific friendship related to all of this. And I hope right. that while you guys are cooking your Thanksgiving meals and you're working, uh, today and you're, you're trying to do what you can for you yourself or, or you and your, your partner, uh, you can listen to this great friendship, uh, cause the, uh, we've, found two vaccines for covid and yeah one of those vaccines mark comes from a friendship wow okay i i can't wait okay i want to know how friendship might save us all from this friendship is going to save us from covid mark and here's how it starts with sorry to pfizer but it's moderna moderna's vaccine comes from a friendship and that friendship is the subject of today's my favorite friendship episode mark that friendship is the friendship between dolly parton international (laughs) country music and movie (laughs) star television star legend uh we'll go into it and then uh this this is actually a three-way friendship mark this is between dolly and then dr naji abumrad and mm-hmm. his son, Jadaboomrod. And wow. uh, now Amazing. Dr. Naji Abumrod is a, a, a professor at Vanderbilt University. And uh, he's a doctor at the Vanderbilt uh, Medical Center. And Jadaboomrod, you may know this as a podcast fan, is the host of Radiolab on NPR. I, yes, I was going to ask if that was the same person. It's the same person. Mark. So, wow. so what happened was it, it starts, I guess, I guess I'll go into who Dolly Parton is. Then we'll get into how Dolly met Najee and then how she met Jad and then how this all resulted in a cure for coronavirus. <laughs> okay. So we'll start with Dolly Parton. Uh, for those of you that are not as familiar with Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton, is, uh, she was born in, I think, 1946. Mm-hmm. She is a country singer. She's from Tennessee. She's, you know, Tennessee's favorite daughter. Dolly Parton, uh, yeah. like, you know, biggest celebrity in, in Tennessee, out of Tennessee, and probably one of the biggest celebrities in the United States. Dolly Parton, she she wrote Jolene, Coat of Many Colors. She did I Will Always Love You, which was then covered by Whitney Houston and so many other artists, uh, but most notably by Whitney Houston. She also did the music for the famous film, which she also acted in, 9 to 5. Yeah. She was... uh, Love 9 to 5. Yeah, she was in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. She was uh, in the movie Steel Steel Magnolias. Uh, I love her in the movie Straight Talk, which is an early 90s romantic comedy set around a <laughs> southern gal from Tennessee who becomes a radio talk show host in the city of Chicago and uh, and also Dolly Parton is very notable for being Miley Cyrus's Aunt Dolly on Hannah Montana yeah I forgot about that yes we did forget about that but here's the thing so Dolly Parton is is just a fascinating person because first of all are you familiar with what q scores are mark no but i want to be and how do i get a high one yeah so q scores are how uh 
different ways that uh, media companies measure different personalities, effectiveness, uh, how much people like the person, and Dolly Parton's score is, I think, either number one or two in the world. She's the most, it's not necessarily that she's the most liked, but she's the least disliked. <laughs> okay. In contrast, uh, Lady Gaga and Beyonce are like 41 and 42 on the list. Wow. Uh, so, so although may, maybe Dolly isn't the most popular person in the world, she's definitely the least hated person in the world. That's amazing. Everybody a... likes Dolly Parton. Huh. And, well, and I mean, well, let's let's hear why. Yeah. So there, there, there's a whole phenomenon about this, and I and I've been doing a deep dive on this after finding out that Dolly was responsible, was like a driving force behind the cure, the vaccine for COVID. I was like, I need to learn about this person, how all this came about, and. One of the most amazing ways to learn about Dolly is through the podcast Dolly Parton's America, which is produced and hosted by Jad Abumrad. The way that Jad found out about Dolly and became fascinated with Dolly is that he grew up in Tennessee with his father as a doctor, you know, at, over at Vanderbilt, and yeah. as as a young. Uh, Bengali immigrant growing up in Tennessee, uh, Dolly is everywhere. Dolly has Dollywood, which is a, an amusement park. Uh, there was, uh, there's like a Dolly Parton dinner theater. Um, there's all sorts of things. It's, it's so crazy how, how present Dolly is. Uh, Dolly's early work, which is a part of what got everybody into her, was it was very sad songs. Uh, her really early songs, and she was writing her own music as early as uh, 16 years old. And she grew up in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. And her early work takes the idea of the murder song, which is a trope in country music and folk music, mm -hmm. which used to be told, uh, sang from the perspective of the murderer. Uh, Dolly kind of turned that on its ear and would sing songs of like murder and abuse and death, but from the perspective of the victim. And so Dolly would give voice to, you know, all, all of these women that had been murdered and beaten and whatever through her music. Uh, there, there's a song that she wrote called Daddy Come and Get Me which is about Dolly's aunt who was put in a mental institution by her abusive husband. Because back, uh, back in uh, mid-20th century, husbands could just commit their wives whenever they wanted. Yeah. Like if, if they just didn't, if they were acting up too much or whatever, they yeah. could just commit their wife to an insane asylum. God. And so Dolly... Uh, would write songs about that. She covered songs about suicide. She covered uh, the death of a child. She she had this knack for imagining lives that weren't being seen. And that is something that just attracted everyone to Dolly. And she started singing uh, backup on the Porter Wagner show which is, it's kind of like hee-haw, but it's it's a precursor to it. Uh, and uh, and Porter was this, you know, big country star. But Dolly soon eclipsed him on his own show. And... Uh, That's very impressive. Oh, yeah. It's... It, and... According to Jad uh, on, on the Dolly Parton's America podcast, he said while he was watching it, you can see like Porter's relationship with Dolly change. And you can see kind of like a little bit of a power struggle. But Dolly insisted, she said, well, what is he supposed to do? It's his show. <laughs> you know, how do you expect yeah. him to react? Of course, he's not going to be thrilled that I eclipsed him. And... Uh, 
there, there was spoken like like a real number one Q scorer. Oh my god, Dolly has so much empathy for everyone. It, it's it's weird and and amazing because Dolly is fiercely spiritual. She doesn't necessarily say Christian, but she does talk about praying for people often. She doesn't go to church ever, uh, but but she is fiercely spiritual. And uh, but but Dolly also, um, even though she's written all these things about. Uh, you know, women that were beaten and uh, things like that. Dolly does not identify as a feminist either. Hmm. She she will say, I am not a feminist. Uh, okay. Even though, you know, 9 to 5 is like a feminist anthem. Dolly has written so many feminist anthems. Um, in, in Dolly Parton's America, Jad goes to a, a, a historian who kind of says that Dolly is... She was like a third wave feminist before they even existed. She was like a third wave feminist while second wave was already happening. Uh, and it was that Dolly was already very comfortable with talking about her sexuality, but she also has her boundaries. Like Dolly, you know, dresses sexy, but never actually discusses her sex life. She will talk about her boobs. She will talk about, you know, how she looks, but she will never really talk about what goes on between her and her husband. And she's been married to the same man since 1966, Carl Dean. Wow. Who is he? Other than Um, very lucky. Carl Dean does not want you to know who he is. I think he worked, he was a mechanic or something, and he is fiercely private, and Dolly is fiercely private about their lives. I think he went to one award show with her, you know, in the 60s and then never again. All right. And they Dolly says that their marriage is open, but it's not like open like we like like open marriages yeah. mean in 2020, but it but they are separate a lot and they keep space a lot and there's I don't know, there there's just something very progressive about their marriage because dolly is just so focused on her business and focused on her career and carl is cool with that and just says go do your thing come back when you're ready i'm i'm here you know and i'll be just under this car uh, yeah and he they'll just do whatever you know when it's time but he he doesn't want to do anything publicly or, or be a part of photos or, or any of that stuff yeah and uh, but so dolly Although although she says she's not a feminist, and although she says she's not a Christian, her actions are more Christian and more feminist than a lot of people that would identify as that. And that's yeah. one of the weird uh, uh, hypocrisies, or uh, I don't know, paradoxes, I'd say. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. hypocrisy. It's a, it's a paradox, I'd say, with Dolly. Because... Dolly is all about inclusion. She very much believes that the relationship between two people creates a third space. And Dolly feels that she is able to control the environment around her so that it is a space where everyone is accepted and no one has to feel put down and that's part of why dolly has such a crazy broad audience like if you go to a dolly parton show you will see old people you will see young people lots of young people you'll see a lot of queer people you'll see people uh, dressed in drag you'll see you know families it's a dolly parton show is a cornucopia of of the world like uh one story that I that stuck out to me on on the Dolly Parton's America was Jad interviewed a person that was locked up in the cell next to Nelson Mandela during apartheid, mm-hmm. and eventually, after being in prison for a while, Nelson Mandela 
got the the uh, uh, privilege from the guards to be able to play music. And Nelson Mandela would play Dolly Parton for the prisoners. Wow. They would listen to Jolene. Pretty good endorsement. Oh, my God. And, like, in South Africa, these people are listening to this woman from Appalachia, Tennessee. And listening to Tennessee Mountain Home. There's something about yeah. Dolly. Uh, and Jad identified this. And I, 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 I would agree after spending the last week binging all of her stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a nostalgia for home in Dolly's music. But there, there is this loud idea of home that appeals especially to people who can't be loud about their home. There, there is, like, Dolly Parton's music is immigrants' music. It's, it's for people that, that, you know, miss their home, but they're somewhere else, and they're, they're making a new life. And even though it's, you know, this blonde hair, uh, big boob country gal from Tennessee, you know, even all the way in South Africa, these these guys can feel Dolly. They get it. <laughs> and um, amazing. yeah, it's it, it's just so wild. And Dolly, as, as uh, I was listening to this you know, Dolly Parton's America, and Jad is trying to tell her story, she will interject and say, you know, like, don't bring your stupid way of seeing the world into my story, Jad. I'm not, you know, it's not the power struggle that you think. It's not this. Dolly does not want to be labeled. It reminds me a lot of Salvador Dali. Yeah. In a lot of ways, where she literally is creating her own world where the rules are Dolly's rules. And uh, it's like a safe space. It's it's so crazy how, how she's able to do this. And Dolly, in, in this safe space, Mark, like uh, in the movie 9 to 5, you know, she's paired with Lily Tomlin and... Uh, uh, Jane Fonda. And, you know, Jane Fonda at the time was coming off of being Hanawai Jane. She was, you know, anti-Vietnam, super liberal, whereas Dolly's audience is not. <laughs> yeah. But Dolly would put her arm around Jane Fonda and say great things about Jane Fonda and and she got middle America and, you know, the South to embrace Jane Fonda and embrace, you know, some of these ideas that are a little bit radical in 9 to 5. But uh, as I was learning about uh, 9 to 5, Mark, I also learned about the uh, unionization movement in the Smoky Mountains about coal miners. And apparently uh, the coal miners in the Smokies they were trying to unionize against the New York Power Company that were, uh, you know, kind of taking advantage of the coal mine workers. And yeah. they would wear red bandanas around their necks to signify that they were a part of that, that group. And they were referred to as rednecks. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that is that the origin of that term? That is the origin of that term. Well, I, I guess I, it's crazy how it's been changed now because normally it's like, I love that it's a labor movement thing. It is a labor movement thing about coal miners. What has ha what happened was, was there were a lot of outsiders that would go to the Smoky Mountains and then write these stories for like, for newspapers and, uh, and pamphlets about the, the wild, wacky, you know, hillbillies in the south and so the what happened was the folks that lived in the smoky mountains decided to lean into this hillbilly image and cash in on it and kind of try to play it up to make money off of the idiot northerners that would visit them sure i hope that worked 
And also the the people that were creating private universities in uh, those areas, uh, when they were seeking donations from people in the north, they would say, oh, well, you know, we're trying to educate these animals, these barefoot hillbillies. You know, they can barely conduct themselves. They're marrying their cousins and, you know, you sound familiar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those those things came from, uh, you know, the university elites to try to raise money <laughs> for the people wow. <laughs> that they were demonizing. It was a, I, I, so there's a yeah. really difficult relationship between people in the South and people in the Smoky Mountains specifically and uh, folks outside. And I, I learned a lot about that in, in learning about Dolly. And so uh, I'm going to start to get into how she met Najee and Jad. So yeah. in 2013, Dolly was in a minor car accident. And the Washington Post says that that is when her and Najee first met. But in the podcast, it seems like Dolly may have met Najee before that. But it's hard to tell because Dolly is so fiercely private about so many things in her life. We don't know. We just have to go off of what they said. So it seems to me like she knew him from something else before this car accident. But the Washington Post says... That was when they first met. So we can go with the post if you like. Um, Sure. But after she's in this minor car accident, uh, she seeked some medical advice from Dr. Abumrad. And he didn't really, uh, you know, know a whole lot about her. He was aware of her, but, you know, not, you know, he's not a super big fan or anything. But according to Dolly, and according to Najee, they just had a spark immediately. She just knew that there was a bond between her and Dr. Abumrad. And they just became friends. Just chatting, uh, uh, not only about her, her, you know, injuries, but uh, about where he grew up and where she grew up and it turns out that they grew up in almost identical homes and oh interesting yes and the way that they found this out was jad uh while doing research for dolly parton's america got taken to her actual home not the one that's in uh dollywood which is a replica, but she he got taken to the actual home, and as he was there, he kind of has this weird deja vu slash spiritual experience, and he asked his dad for a photo of his childhood home, and he realized that they were the almost the same. Wow! And like just the physical structures. You're the saying. physical structure looked wow. almost the same. And they were raised in very similar situations. It's just they were raised in similar situations about 6,000 miles apart. They were poor mountain kids trying to get by in Tennessee. And they started, uh, Dolly just started calling Najee and they would just chat. And they maintained this friendship for about five years. And. A couple of years into the friendship, Dolly sent Najee a little guitar that she autographed for her uh, Najee's granddaughter, Jad's daughter. And now Najee mm-hmm. told Jad, who you know is host of Radio Lab, and, and you know living in New York, no, no longer in, in Tennessee. Yeah, Najee was like, "Oh yeah, you know I'm." Uh, you know, this is from Dolly Parton. And Jad was like, yeah, whatever, Dad. He just did not believe his father. He was like, this is ridiculous. No way. And also, like, he was like, my dad would never be celebrity doctor. He's just a doctor. That's who he is. He's not looking to, you know, make friends or do anything like that. He's there to do his job. But Najee 
and and Dolly just had this special bond. And so when Jad saw the guitar, he was like, oh man, this is really real. My dad has bonded with Dolly Parton. What the fuck? How is this possible? (laughs) So then he became obsessed with Dolly and he started researching her and he was like, I need to do a show about her. This is, I, I need to try and figure out how this happened. And in so he might possibly get to better know himself and his father in the process and that's part of the story this podcast where you're researching friendships to see how you can learn from them yes and so you know part of part of this learning about dolly is also jad's effort to better know his own father and you hear this in the podcast and then also i had i listened to other interviews with jad uh, which I'll, I'll put in the notes uh, on Buzzsprout so you guys can check it out. It's oh, it's so crazy just how much he learned. And so he he talks to Dolly about his dad. And Dolly said to him, and I'll, I'll never forget this quote. She said, you, never, you can never know your parents the way that other people do. And... Yep. Dolly said, um, you know, Dolly did what she could to help Jad understand his father and why they bonded so much. And she was like, I love talking to your dad. Your dad and I get along so well. He loves that small home. He loves Tennessee. And they they love talking about uh, just what's going on in the world and, you know, their interpretations of things. They just really feel like they see the world eye to eye. And so... Uh, Jad had this great experience with her and it also changed Jad a lot Jad uh, before before that was very much into you know finding answers and uh, well I guess he was more into like leave, leaving he would do Radiolab podcasts but the end would always be up to uh, the listener they would need to figure something out or um it would leave them with questions and maybe feeling worse than they began. But he realized through Dolly that he needs to find things that make people feel more connected. And he wants to be more like Dolly. He just, Dolly changed his whole philosophy on things and made him question everything. Because he was so frustrated that Dolly would not make political statements. And he was frustrated with, you know, the paradoxes in Dolly's existence. But in the end, he kind of, he realizes that Dolly refuses to be limited by these things. And, you know, it's possible for us to refuse as well. And so... That's that's a really strong takeaway. Yeah. And it's worth thinking about in so many parts of your life, what's limiting you and do you have to listen to it? Sometimes you do, or sometimes it might be better to but there are probably plenty of times where you just don't yeah it's a and you know usually it takes people to do psychedelics to realize that or go to therapy so talking with dolly parton i'm sure that that's pretty rad too (laughs) (laughs) it's probably like both honestly yeah maybe all maybe i feel like i was hallucinating while it was happening and i'd probably get a little dose of therapy (laughs) (laughs) so uh so all this friendship goes on they, they do the podcast. The podcast came out in uh, 2019. So uh, it's very recent, and it's available wherever you know you get podcasts. So I highly recommend checking it out. There's nine episodes, and they're all like eh, 45 minutes to an hour. And so that was kind of the end of it. They were going to just remain friends, and there was Dolly and Jad and Najee. But then about six months later, COVID hit. And everything started to shut down. And nobody really knew what was going to go on. Obviously, Dollywood's being shut down. Dolly can't tour anymore. All the things that Dolly does is severely impacted by COVID. So the only thing and the only person that Dolly felt she could turn to for information that was credible was Najee Abumrad. I 
feel like a lot of people experienced that where they were like, oh, my my cousin's a nurse. Like, I'll ask him that sort of thing. Like there, there was this real um, it was it's interesting because at a time where you'd want the most objective scientific evidence, you also need someone you can trust. And a lot of people, I feel like, had that same reaction of like, what's the what's the medical professional I know the best? Yeah. And, you know, Dolly, keep in mind, Dolly has has not really been taken very seriously in society. She's always been, you know, a silly, fun person that we all enjoy and we can make boob yeah. jokes about. Even Dolly the sheep that was cloned was named after Dolly Parton. Did you mm-hmm. know that? Yeah. Do you know why? I remember reading it in my Time for Kids magazine. In Do you remember why she's named after Dolly Parton? No. Is it going to be offensive? It's not offensive to Dolly, but it is because she was cloned from a nipple. She was cloned from a boob. Okay. And that's that's why... So, Dolly... scientists. Look, Dolly makes the jokes, and so they, they felt like it was okay. And I, Dolly's pretty good-natured about all these things. It's, it's very one of the things that I love about Dolly is Jad brings to her some of these things, and uh, there, there's one moment where he talks to her about how Jolene. There is some. There's a lot of people in the queer community that interpret Jolene as a song about the, uh, you know, it's a cheating song, but it's a woman asking another woman not to seduce her man. And all of the things that the uh, narrator says in the song are very complimentary about Jolene. And there there are a few fans that have written a fourth verse to Jolene uh, about how Jolene and the narrator ended up ditching the man and got together. <laughs> nice. And Jad plays one of these fan versions for Dolly, and she just loved it. She just giggled and said, you know, that wasn't what I thought, but wow, that's great. <laughs> you know, she was just all about it. And, and, yeah. And that that kind of, that's one of the things that I think is the, Dolly's kindness, her dedication to uh, her values in spite of what everyone else wants. And this, this uh, willingness to have an open mind and learn a new thing. And I think that's part of why Dolly has so many young fans right now, because Dolly, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, all of her fans were old people. But now she's got all these young fans. And the theory that her manager and that Jad has and that Dolly kind of has, too, is that it's the kids that watched her on Hannah Montana. They grew Mm -hmm. up. And now she's their Aunt Dolly. And... So, so Aunt Dolly, when COVID struck, called Najee, the only man that she could trust, for medical advice, and said, "What you know? What can I do? What can we do? Is there anything we can do?" And Najee said that the uh, scientists at Vanderbilt University were making advancements in finding a vaccine through the use of mRNA instead of DNA, they used RNA. And it may actually become the blueprint for how vaccines are used in the future. So, or vaccines are created in the future. So Dolly was like, well, what, what can I do? And Najee said, well, you know, we could use a, a donation. And she said, I will give you a million dollars. And so on April 1st of 2020, Dolly posted on her Instagram, my longtime friend, Dr. Naji Abumrad, who's been involved in research at Vanderbilt for many years, informed me that they were making some exciting advancements towards research of the coronavirus for a cure. I'm making a donation of $1 million to Vanderbilt towards that research and to encourage people that can afford it to make donations. And from that $1 million donation mark, they were able to start the uh, creation and testing of that vaccine. And uh, 
I'm now I'm sourcing this information from the New York Times and the Washington Post, uh, who both got interviews with the doctors involved. And uh, Abumrad said, Dolly's work made it possible to expedite the science behind the testing. Without a doubt in my mind, her funding made the research towards the vaccine go 10 times faster than it would be without it. Wow. The, the physician in charge of the vaccine research was Dr. Mark Dennison. He is a physician and professor of pathology, microbiology, and immunology at, at Vanderbilt. And Dennison said that it was Parton's money that funded the critical early stages of the research. Her money helped us develop a test that we used to first show that the Moderna vaccine was giving people a good immune response that might protect them. Uh, when they asked uh, Dr. Boomerad in the New York Times what he thought about all this, he said, honestly, I never had to ask for her support for the research. She is the kindest and most philanthropic human being I've ever known. She is the one who suggested it. She called and wanted to know what she could do. And uh, Jad is just so over the moon about this because, oh my God, his father and Dolly Parton are saving the world here. And uh, the quote that I have to kind of end this is Jad saying, yeah. you know, my dad spent his entire life dedicated to helping people, and Dolly is famously the same. Every day, their partnership makes a little more sense to me. Aw. That's so cute. Yeah. And so I hope, uh, I hope this story uh, encourages you all to uh, practice the love, care, spirituality, and curiosity of Dolly Parton and the Aboomerons. I So I don't know if you know, here's my question out of it. So where does the company Moderna fit into this? And how are, I feel like Dolly Parton should get some money back from this vaccine, but like this random company is going to make, in theory, if that is the vaccine that goes forward, going to make billions and billions of dollars. I hope some of that at least gets back to Vanderbilt, let alone Dolly. It may go to Vanderbilt because Dolly, so Moderna, Moderna and it seems like they partnered with Vanderbilt and Dolly noted that it is a donation. So if it's a donation, I would assume that means it's a tax write-off for her. So she's not sure. going to get anything back. Um, no. But if it just, they... It's an interesting public-private partnership to like solicit donations for what could be one of the most profitable biotech research projects you know in the last 50 years or something yeah. like that yeah and, and like, they, give us free money it, it, it is possible that they could give a little something to dolly but uh you know what we can do is listen to some dolly parton music listen to dolly parton's america to support them and you can watch uh dolly parton's new movie on netflix christmas on the square she's got uh, a christmas album coming out holly dolly christmas Oh Dolly God. is everywhere. Wait. This is yeah. so great. Yeah, do not do not worry. Dolly is everywhere. She's not going anywhere. And Dolly will be with us long after she's dead. There is <laughs> Dolly is fiercely determined to keep the Dolly Parton brand going beyond her death. And so uh although that won't be coming anytime soon, Dolly is forever, is what I'm trying to say. Great. <laughs> and, and especially now that Dolly. Dolly is the the main donor behind uh, this, this COVID vaccine, I think it will it will also help in getting people to be more open to taking a vaccine. Because there's a lot of people that are scared of the vaccine, Mark. I don't know yeah. how many friends that you've talked to that have said like, ah, I'm not trying that. I'm not going to be the first. I'm not going to be a guinea well, I'm pig. Definitely, I'm definitely like scared but i also i'm having confidence that as we get closer and closer to a time where everyone is asked to take a vaccine mm -hmm. uh that there'll be more and more information about it yeah and i and i think that's what will come out and i think dolly will help that because people trust dolly and people trust dr boomrod they care i, yeah. I think that that will help uh, and it'll it'll put a human face and a human voice to this that isn't pfizer or moderna because I don't feel any connection to Pfizer and Moderna. I mean, maybe if no. I took Viagra, I'd care about Pfizer. But They're I don't trust actively them. actively 
opaque, terrible biotech companies. Yeah, so like happen to also be developing a thing we all need. Yeah, but uh, I yeah, no love lost for the corporate behemoths who are about to profit a bunch. Yeah, um, but I'm glad that there are like very good people doing very good things to make the world a better place, even yes. in the shadow of that. Yeah, it's oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, definitely check out the Dolly stuff. Check out Dolly Parton's America. Support Radio Lab. Uh, you know, wear a mask. <laughs> Do your best. Yeah. Because we, you know, I I don't know uh, if you heard about this. You know, Ticketmaster is going to be requiring people to either get the vaccine or have a recent COVID test to be able to go to shows. And I love that that's the standard because I want to be able to do shows and know that I'm not hurting anybody. I want to be able to go to shows yeah. and know that I'm not putting anybody in danger. And and that's the only way we're going to be able to get back to this. We got to be able to isolate, test, test all the time. And, you know, hopefully we can take these vaccines soon so that we can get back to seeing our friends face to face. And I mean whole face, not even half face. <laughs> Agreed. Well, thank you so much for bringing this story. That's amazing. And I can't wait to consume a whole lot of Dolly Parton stuff over this Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, my God. Go crazy. Go crazy. Support Dolly. Support Jad. This is, you know, this is a huge finding. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited that it came from a friendship. Uh, Agreed. If you guys uh, want to be friends with Mark and I, you can make sure to follow us on social media at Brian Wool on all platforms and at Mark Musinski on all platforms, spelled like it sounds. And you can follow at my favorite friendship on Instagram, Facebook, and at my fav friendship, uh, spelled like it sounds on Twitter. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we should add? I, I have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, and see you all in December. Yeah, let's do this. Bye. Bye.